1: Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we finish up my trip report from November. Final episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and we really appreciate positive reviews. Thanks and shout out to Omax3 and AaronGRZ24 for your recent reviews. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Decipher, where you can subscribe to receive bonus content. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started today by emailing Joseph Chung at travel travelmation.net connect with the podcast anytime disneydeciphered at gmail.com at ww on twitter or on our facebook or instagram pages disney deciphered thanks and enjoy the show hi i'm joe from as the joe flies
2: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes.
1: Welcome back to Disney to So we talked about Genie Plus. We talked about the Christmas After Hours party. It's time to talk about everything left in my 48-hour trip a couple of weeks ago. There's a few things that we want to cover, so why don't you just start by... asking me about it
2: all right joe well the first thing i want to hear about because i've never gotten the full story i only saw random pictures from the experience is what happened at the dolphin that's where you stayed and you had quite a few mishaps with your room and the condition of the hotel give it to us straight how are things going at the dolphin
1: all right. Before I get to the negative, let's start with the positive about the Dolphin. Leslie, can you remind people why? You know, I got an annual pass rate for about two fifty a night. Why was it a good decision for me to choose the Dolphin over, say, Caribbean Beach at that same price?
2: So all on-property and partner hotels get the early entry. So I know you wanted that, but that would be available from either the Dolphin or Caribbean Beach, but. Dolphin has a couple of other advantages. Location, mains, you can walk to both Hollywood Studios and to Epcot. And you get the Skyliner right there. It really is is well positioned at that price. And then it's also eligible for the late night deluxe hours. The I don't know what they're called either. These, these new names are totally throwing me for a loop. But instead of the early theme park entry, the, the late night theme parks are staying open for extra time for deluxe hotel guests.
1: Yeah, so like it's an extra two hours, so great benefit and you get it at the Dolphin. So I thought it was super smart, paying the same price for a moderate to get deluxe benefits at the Dolphin. Checked in at 4 p.m., went and did my nonsense at Hollywood Studios and Epcot. But then when I got back to my hotel at around midnight that night after Harmonious, the first thing I noticed, okay pretty gross was that there was a brown sticky substance on the carpet so i texted um you can kind of chat with the hotel through the bonvoy app so i chatted with them and i was like okay there's a brown sticky substance here i'm just going to cover with a towel but i wanted to let you know they didn't offer me any compensation or anything you know i didn't want to make huge stink about it so that's what i did there i don't know did i not make a huge enough stink about that
2: I mean, that's probably how I would have handled it too, especially like solo, it's late at night. You just would have, like, it wasn't going to be that big of an inconvenience. And I'm surprised, but also not surprised that they didn't offer you any compensation (laughs) given how things are going with Marriott right now, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I was like, okay, I mean, whatever, I'm going to deal with this. But then uh, when I went to go take a shower, I was like, huh, the faucet is pointing at a 90 degree angle, like it's pointing to three o'clock. So I turned the faucet to six o'clock, which is the direction that it should be pointing. But it already was pretty suspect to me that I could turn the faucet, you know, like the actual faucet, I could turn the direction it was pointing. So I turned on the shower, the water started coming out of the faucet normally. But then when I pulled the tab to switch it to the shower, (laughs) obviously, whatever epoxy had been used or whatever adhesive had been used to keep the faucet to the wall was not there which is why I was able to turn it I realized in retrospect and so the faucet blew off the shower so I'm just looking at a copper pipe just spraying water into the bathtub thankfully I wasn't standing in the bathtub otherwise I would have been in for a world of pain with the faucet flying off so the shower was completely non-functional I should also mention that I'm gold with Marriott and so they said that this room was an upgrade which is pretty comical so that was strike two
2: Wow. Yeah. I saw the picture of the exposed pipe that you sent after the explosion happened. And I mean, how did this not get seen? I mean, this is my question. Like the faucet being turned at 90 degrees and presumably loose and water had to be turned on to clean that bathtub before you occupied that room. I, I said on Twitter, this makes me suspect that the bathtub was cleaned, right?
1: Yeah, well, I'm not sure they looked at the room at all, because what do you do when that happens? Of course, I went to go call down the front desk, and then I picked up the phone. There was no dial tone. And then I picked up the entire phone, the whole entire phone, like, contraption thing. And I could walk around the entire room with it because it wasn't plugged into anything. So the phone wasn't even plugged in. So then I looked behind the bedstand for the plug so I could plug the phone in so I could talk to them. And there was... Nothing. I couldn't even plug the phone in. So I had a non-functional phone, non-functional shower and brown stuff on the carpet. That was strike three. Uh, I had to go downstairs. It took me like 45 minutes to an hour to get a new room. They offered me $50 in compensation, like credit to my bill, but only after I asked. So I don't know. It was pretty disappointing overall. And as you know, if you've been listening to this trip report, I've been going pretty hard. Losing an hour of sleep and rope dropping the next day. It was pretty rough.
2: Yeah, that's definitely unfortunate. Now I know I know we've been exchanging tweets lately about this post trip and somebody on the Marriott Bonvoy account wanted to check in, was there any additional follow up or or compensation or anything like that was there a redemption
1: (laughs) i'm gonna be optimistic that by the time this episode airs okay we're recording it right after my trip by the time this episode airs someone will have gone back to me but uh we will see and i will insert a addendum here if that happens but you won't know leslie at least not right now
2: all right. Well, I'm glad to know it's still open. There's still the possibility of being made more whole for this experience. I mean, that's just really disappointing about the Dolphin. It's not like this is a resort that has just reopened. I mean, you expect these kind of hiccups when, when these resorts were closed for a long time and they're sort of bringing these rooms back online. But I have to think that these have been in service for a year or or so. I mean, goodness gracious.
1: Yeah, I've seen other like anecdotal stories about the Dolphin and Swan having these issues. You know, it is what it is. I do still think that for the price and for the benefits that you get, I'll still be looking at them again. But it was disappointing that the property was like that. Future Joe here cutting in with a quick Dolphin update. They did nothing. Back to the show.
2: Okay, Joe. Well, that's enough about the Dolphin. I'm sorry it was such an unpleasant hotel experience. But let's move on, Joe, to other topics. And I guess you mentioned that one of the benefits that we get from the Dolphin is the early theme park entrance. So what did you think of how that's working and what was your experience with that?
1: We've said it here on this podcast. I think it makes a huge difference. I know it's like one of the only on-site benefits that are left, but it makes such a difference in touring. This early theme park entrance is just a huge game changer and something that it was really putting people who are not on site at a disadvantage. So the way it worked, you know, I used it both at Animal Kingdom and at Epcot. Let's just talk about Epcot for now because Animal Kingdom is our next topic. So at Epcot, I showed up. At around 8.55 to get in line, the park open was 10 a.m., which means as an on-site guest, I was going to be allowed in at 9.30. That got me, like, I got through the tap styles and through security and all that stuff by, like, 9.10, and then they were holding us over by the United Kingdom which there was actually a wedding going on, which was kind of nice. So they held us there until 925. At that point, they let us loose. Actually, that cast member was pretty funny. He made us, like, recite this mantra that we were not going to run and that we were going to be nice to each other. He was, he was a pretty funny cast member. And his name was Trek, by the way. I don't know. what 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 is there to say about that?
2: I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. What? His name is Trek. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just stuck with me. Okay. So cast... <laughs> cast compliment right there but uh yeah so trek let us in at 9 25 as promised to trek i walked with purpose but did not run to frozen ever after and that was pretty much a walk-on by the time i got off frozen ever after the line was already outside so i think that line was going to be 15 20 minutes long so being able to rope drop early entry was even more important i was off frozen ever after by 9 35 i was at the test track single rider line by like 9:42, and then i was off test track by 959 within 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 that 30-minute early park entry, I was able to do two of the big attractions at Epcot. So that was awesome. Oh, and I forgot to say uh, the most important thing was at 7 a.m. I got a Ratatouille boarding group and I got boarding group five, which means as soon as I was done with Test Track, I was able to walk right to Ratatouille and get onto that. And I forgot to put this in the notes, but I don't know. Maybe we should talk about this new attraction.
2: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But before we do, I mean, I think that the strategy is is really important to highlight. This is a way that your family doesn't have to pay for the individual a la carte lightning lanes, you can hit those attractions, hit some of the bigger headliners. You know, maybe you can even skip Genie Plus for the day. This doesn't necessarily save you as a solo person any money because you're still paying sort of the Disney on property premium. But if you're a family of four, you might be coming out ahead budget wise, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. And if you think about my daughter, she's gonna make me ride Frozen ever after no matter what. So it's either waiting 45 minutes or paying for individual lightning lane, which is going to be like $50 for the family or rope dropping with this early theme park entry. So it really does bring a lot of value. I think the only difference between what I would have done if I had my family with me is we would have skipped test track because my kids are too young to go in the single rider lane for test track, but we could still have done frozen ever after then gone to ride soren which wouldn't have had a long line at that time anyway if we wanted or even something like spaceship earth or mission space so we could still have done two rides or we could have just done frozen ever after been happy or done frozen ever after twice i mean honestly my kid would do that Right, Get there at rope drop. You don't have to run. Still would have been a walk on right there at 930, 935. And then wait another 15, 20 minutes before the masses get let in at 10 o'clock. So it is a really big deal. And then to have that early theme park entry. And I think you can make it work with a family. And of course, as a solo person, I was able to really get a lot of value out of it
2: exactly and i have to say i'm i'm really pleasantly surprised i mean we we mocked early theme park entry you know it only being an extra half hour you know extra magic half hour but you can really get in a couple of good attractions in that 30 minutes if you sequence it correctly and then just be set up you know now with genie plus being part of the mix it changes sort of the overall days strategy and and you get to do it every morning so if you've got young kids and you're up early anyway i i certainly have been over the years i mean that's how we've always done both disney world and disneyland it seems like a great benefit and i'm really jealous as somebody who goes to disneyland that we don't have any extra magic hour style early entry back there yet so score one for disney world
1: Yeah, and people have been complaining about Epcot opening later at like 10 a.m., but it actually works out perfectly because of my whole Dolphin fiasco. I could still rope drop Epcot and get a decent amount of sleep when you can rope drop but still show up to the park around 8.55, 9 a.m. Oh, and I should say to be clear that I went in through the international gateway because I was staying at the golf at the Dolphin which is you know getting in through France but when you do that it's it's not that bad so I'm okay with Epcot opening later I mean that park doesn't really get going until the afternoon anyway
2: That's right. All right. Well, we teased this already. Let's talk about Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. I know this is your first time riding it at Epcot. Of course, you've been on the the ride at Disneyland Paris. So what'd you think?
1: I realized this as I was uh, recording my trip report for our patrons. I only saw half the ride in Paris because my daughter was like freaking out halfway through the ride because she was scared about it. So I was covering her eyes for the second half of the ride. So I... had no recollection of anything that happened in the second half of the ride. So it was nice to experience the entire ride myself. Now, with boarding group five, it was a walk-on. Like, there was no queue. So I think one reason to try to get as early of a virtual queue as possible is because the earlier in the day your virtual queue is... Probably the shorter the line is going to be because they haven't mixed in individual Lightning Lane access people yet. They haven't had a backup over time of the queue getting longer and longer. So I walked through the queue. The queue was very cute. I took a couple pictures, put it up on Instagram. And the ride itself, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's another one of these trackless rides, which is, you know, the third one that they've added to Disney World in the last couple of years. Rise of the Resistance, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, and then now this one. It was a repeat, but it's a lot of fun. It's a fun attraction. I think kids will like it. Kids who want a little bit of thrill and scare, they're going to enjoy it. I'm not sure why, actually, my daughter was so uh, disturbed by it. It's not really that scary. I mean, it's kind of intense because chefs are like chopping at you and stuff like that, but it's it's not too bad. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really cute. One thing that really stood out to me was France itself, like the courtyard that Remy's Ratatouille Adventure is in. It's a little bit bigger in France, like in Disneyland Paris. So it's a little bit more picturesque in Paris, but it's still really nice in Disney World. Overall, a solid ride. I give it a B, B plus. I definitely think that we are correct. It's not going to be individual lightning lane for long, and it's not even going to have super long lines in like maybe two years. But it's a great ride, and it's a great addition to a park that really needed it.
2: Yeah, definitely needed an attraction. It's, you know, needed an attraction in that location as well. So excited to see it in the lineup and can't wait to try it myself. Let's turn our attention to Animal Kingdom, Joe. I know your last morning you headed into Animal Kingdom and you didn't get Genie Plus. You just used, I guess, Genie or probably more accurately your gut (laughs) since we talked about how bad Genie was. So tell us how your, your morning at Animal Kingdom went.
1: Animal Kingdom was a little bit different because it was Disney Plus Day. And so they were letting all the Disney Plus subscribers in half an hour early, which means they let resort guests in an hour early. I think that like for the most part, there weren't too many Disney Plus guests that weren't also on site. So I don't know if this is going to be a totally accurate depiction of what early theme park hours look like for Animal Kingdom. But I can tell you what I went through. I got into the park around 6 55 you know i was a little bit late i had had a late night at the christmas party the night before so i didn't get there super early um and then i walked straight to flight of passage flight of passage line already looked kind of long it was already starting to go towards that back path that goes towards africa and kilimanjaro safaris i had not made it to that wood bridge yet though uh if you know the area and so i stood there and The Flight of Passage queue took me about 20 minutes to get through. Going through the queue and the two pre-shows, which both pre-shows are back and the ride itself, took me about 40 minutes. So I was out of there by 7.40. And then after that, I went straight to Navi River Journey. And that was about a five-minute wait. And so by the time I was done with Navi River Journey, it was 8 o'clock. I'm wondering if it was only a 30-minute early theme park entrance. You know, I'm guessing those two things unless I was at the very front of the rope, would have taken about an hour as well anyway, which I think is pretty fair um, for those two attractions and getting, you know, one of the biggest attractions out of the way at the beginning of the day. And you were monitoring individual Lightning Lane access, which it was going for $14 that day for a flight of passage. And I think it ran out pretty fast that day, right?
2: Yeah, I don't remember what time I checked. My time zones are, you know, totally messed up being here in California. But it definitely ran out quite early that day. I mean, that might be the second fastest one to sell out behind Rise of the Resistance. I have to double check the data long term, but that's something to keep in mind. And this was a a busy holiday weekend and it was gone, I think, by about lunchtime.
1: My plan was to go to the airport, but another reason why I'm glad I didn't get Genie Plus for that day is, I don't know, I still haven't like quite figured it out yet, but it does seem like on the busy days, if the Lightning Lanes are going to sell out faster, sometimes it might be risky to put the money into Genie Plus, but at the same time, if you don't pay for Genie Plus, then maybe you're just going to be... Ha- at long wait times all day i don't know that's just something that bears monitoring at that point um i think you were following along with me on my regular disney genie since i didn't have genie plus and what did disney genie recommend me to do the one good recommendation it had all day
2: all right well it sent you to kilimanjaro safaris which good choice i mean doesn't everybody want to ride that i guess
1: it's a good choice and it was the right call by disney genie because safaris the line gets long pretty fast and so it sent me there first thing so i went but like i talked about in a previous episode of course after i rode kilimanjaro safaris disney genie didn't know i had ridden it so i had to like kind of tell it to stop recommending that and then at that point you know i was done with safaris by 8 30 it didn't tell me to do anything until festival of the lion king at 10 30. Which is ridiculous to have two hours in the beginning of the day at Animal Kingdom. We have nothing to do at that time. The waits for Everest and Dinosaur are both like 10 to 15 minutes long. Disney Genie didn't tell me to do anything. So, you know, we talked about this in episode 196 already. But Disney Genie vanilla really needs a lot of work.
2: Yeah, that's unacceptable. So please don't follow Disney Genie if it tells you not to do anything I mean, at any point in the day, but especially not in the mornings when you're going to have shorter standby lines for pretty much anything, even on high crowd days.
1: Yeah, I would say the way to use it is to go to the tip board to monitor your wait times. I think that is useful. But the actual recommendations, it's almost like when the recommendations are good, is it because a broken clock is right twice a day? Like, I'm not sure. So it's tough to trust Disney Genie. It's, it's better on the food stuff. But with attractions, definitely, I'm, I'm not sure I can trust it right now.
2: All right. Well, you've alluded to this many times, Joe, in previous episodes about your episode of, of overeating on this trip. So let's talk about your experience at Steakhouse 71 and what you thought about it. I'm guessing you thought it was good if you overate that much.
1: Yeah, believe it or not, 48 hours in Disney World, I only paid for two meals. I got a Chicken Fingers at Backlot Express because I was starving at Hollywood Studios the first night. And then I had one lunch at Steakhouse 71. So I got there around... One o'clock for a 145 reservation. So I checked in early and they got me in at 115. It was pretty crowded in there, but they put me in a corner, which I appreciated since, you know, I don't do much dining indoors. And this was like the only dining indoors, unless I had gotten Space 220, that I was willing to try out. And so I wanted to try as much food as one person can realistically eat. And I didn't want to like waste food. The hostess recommended the fresh onion soup. So I got that. And then I got something that's called bacon and eggs, but it's actually pork belly with grits and what they call a perfectly good egg, which was kind of like a soft fried egg. Or maybe it was, I don't know what kind of egg it is. It was soft and the yolk was runny, but it was, you know, an egg on top of the grits. And then I got their... Uh, House burger, which has been getting rave reviews. The French onion soup, pretty much like any good French onion soup you can get anywhere. I would recommend it if you like French onion soup, but if you're saving your calories for other things, you know, you can get French onion soup wherever you want. The bacon and eggs, probably my favorite thing. I ate up every ounce of food that was on that plate. It was excellent. The egg, it was truly perfectly cooked. I wish I knew what the style of cooking that egg was called. I don't. So uh, it was just really good. You can see pictures on Instagram if you'd like. Uh, the grits were very good as well, and the pork belly was really amazing. I mean, it all mixed together well, and there was like a maple syrupy sauce that went with it, and it was all pretty much perfect. I assume that they serve that for breakfast as well, so I would highly recommend that bacon and egg appetizer. And then the real killer, though, Leslie and you posted our messages to each other to our Instagram story was when the burger came. It was a two patty burger. And although uh, when I was joking with the waiter later about it, he was like, oh, they're two thin patties. They were not thin patties. I had to take a patty out because I'd eaten way too much at that point.
2: Yeah, it definitely looked like a whole lot of food, even if you had not had two appetizers. So way to take one for the team so that you can have have more to review, I suppose, Joe.
1: I mean, my whole goal was not to waste food, but that had been assuming that it was going to be a single patty burger. So unfortunately, you know, I ended up wasting food, but I just could not, like, I think I would have dropped dead on the spot if I'd eaten both patties. But that burger was excellent as well. And they had more pork belly on top of that. It was prepared differently. That chef really knows his way around pork. So that was excellent as well. But the bacon and eggs, I would say, was the highlight.
2: Well, Joe, I think around the same time as your trip, the uh, CFO of Disney made a statement in the earnings call about how portion sizes are going to be reduced and that would be advantageous for all of our waistlines so it may be that future guests won't get quite as much burger as you did
1: i want to be mad about disney trying to skimp <laughs> on the food but my arteries you know i don't know bob chapek thank you on behalf of my arteries <laughs> even if even if my heart is not happy with that decision One last thing I want to say about Stakehouse 71 though is you definitely can feel the labor shortage a little bit. My poor server had too many tables to handle and so everything was like a little bit slower than I would have preferred it to be. I mean, it ended up working out fine because you know I stacked that extra lightning lane like I talked about in a previous episode. But I would have loved it to be a little bit faster, especially because it was just me eating. Or actually, maybe if my family had been there, we probably could have taken our time more, but it was just me. So I was just trying to eat and get out of there. So um, that's another thing to bear in mind. But hopefully, as they continue to hire, these things will work themselves out.
2: Okay, Joe, so let's end this episode the way any night at a Disney park would end with some fireworks and some evening shows. So I want to hear what you thought about Disney Enchantment and Harmonious. You got in both in the two nights that you were there.
1: Yeah, so I actually got to see three fireworks shows, and I would say that I saw them in the order that I preferred them. So I saw Harmonious first, and then I saw Disney Enchantment, and then I saw Minnie's Christmas time Fireworks at the Christmas Party 3rd. And that one was the best. But Disney Enchantment and Harmonious were still pretty great. Now, Harmonious, one thing I really appreciated about it was there's a lot more explosions than I remember from Illuminations. And, you know, the Stargate or whatever they're calling that thing, like just the monstrosities in the middle of the Epcot Lake, there's a lot of fun stuff happening on that. And I do appreciate that technology. And another thing that I really appreciated about Harmonious is It does fit in with World Showcase. There are songs that are being sung in different languages. It's the first time I've ever heard Mandarin being used in a Fireworks Spectacular, so that was very meaningful to me. It is a little bit paint-by-numbers, as has been said elsewhere, but... I appreciated that you know it is the world showcase so it's showcasing different cultures from around the world of course through a disney lens through a disney ip lens which is what i think people don't like but it was a solid show i enjoyed it i would definitely watch it again it's not like epcot forever where i left that and i was like i don't need to see this again for the rest of my life i thought harmonious was pretty good you know i would say it's a solid b and then disney enchantment i enjoyed it as well you know again pretty heavy on the hype IP but now I finally get to see you know what you've been seeing at Disneyland for a long time projections on Main Street which was cool they still continue to take their castle projections to the next level so I thought that was awesome and then again I think there are more fireworks or at least my impression was that there were more fireworks that there were in Happily Ever After so I really enjoyed that as well what I'll say is I mean Happily Ever After had like a really emotional connection for my family and me because the first time I saw Happily Ever After was maybe a week or two after we found out that my daughter had a minor issue when she was still in my wife's womb. But that's the kind of thing that you don't, like you're not ready for mentally or emotionally to hear. Even though it was a minor issue, she's totally fine now. Nothing went wrong. But, you know, I was at Disney World with that in my heart. And so Happily Ever After really lifted me up after that. Because of that, I will always have that emotional connection with Happily Ever After in a way that I do not have with any of the other Disney fireworks spectaculars even though I've enjoyed them all, except for Epcot Forever. That being said, watching Disney Enchantment, I can see how it can provide the same connection for people who are visiting Disney World, going through you know all sorts of things. So I think that's positive for Disney. Again, they've made a firework spectacular that you can connect with emotionally. And I was saying this to you offline, Leslie, this is better than... July 4th fireworks in like 98% of the country. And you can see it every single night at Disney World. So maybe it's not as great as Happily Ever After, but who am I to complain? It's still an amazing fireworks show. And I enjoyed them both.
2: That's really good to hear. And you said that, you know, you noticed the people around you were satisfied. And, you know, I think our Disney Insider perspective sometimes allows us to nitpick a little bit too much so it sounds like you know in the grand scheme of things these evening shows are, are doing the job they need to do for the average guest and you know maybe we shouldn't be quite so cynical so I'm, I'm excited to see them myself
1: leslie you just reminded me you know i held some back for this episode during the christmas episode i talked about the couple that i was standing next to who had seen both but at both disney enchantment and harmonious i was legit next to average guests average consumer who were singing along with, you know, the music that was going on. You know, they weren't like blatantly like singing out loud in an annoying, and obnoxious way, but they were like just kind of humming along. Or like when a new song came on that was, you know, one of the ones they really liked, you could kind of like see their energy perk up, or they were like, be like, oh, you know, you, you know, I was hearing a lot of like oohs and ahs, and like people getting really excited, and that's what kind of said to me that yeah. Us as the overly obsessed Disney is part of our job consumers, we may not like it as much, but I do think that Disney doesn't make, I mean, cynically, of course, Disney makes these things to maximize the profit, but uncynically, Disney makes these things to appeal to the masses. And at least in the two showings I saw One of Harmonious, one of Disney Enchantment, it really felt like it wasn't appealing to the masses because I just I kept hearing all these positive reactions from everyone around me. So I do think Disney did a great job and, you know, I'm excited to see them both again because they both, because of the projections, have a lot to check out that you probably missed the first time.
2: That's great to know. All right, Joe. Well, I think we've milked this trip for uh, three episodes now and it was quite Chock-a-block for 48 hours, so seems like a great one overall. Let's close it out with a traditional Disney do or don't.
1: All right, so my Disney do is Harmonious-related, and I guess you could extend it to Enchantment as well. You really want to have a good view of where the projections are going to be. So for Harmonious, it's that gigantic circle in the middle of the lake. Um, And so where I set up was actually right outside of Mexico, actually right where you exit Disney Traders between there and Mexico. So I had a pretty decent view of the Stargate, which is what people are calling it. But you really want to be able to see that to get the kind of full effect of the images and stuff like that. I would say, actually, if you are not able to see the Stargate, maybe just focus on the fireworks themselves, because they still go very well with the music. The first I think two to three minutes of Harmonious is mostly on the screens and the Stargate. But after that, you know, there's a ton of fireworks in the sky. So enjoy that. But yeah, people are right that you really need to be able to see the Stargate to get the full experience. But if you don't see it, make the most out of it. Just concentrate on the fireworks.
2: All right. Great tip, Joe.
1: All right, well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this extended trip report. Let us know uh, your thoughts and questions about the trip, your thoughts and comments about Disney Enchantment and Harmonious. DisneyDecipher at gmail.com, at decipher on Twitter, DisneyDecipher on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, and I will see you passed out because we recorded all these three episodes in one night. Thanks, Joe.